0: Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Vaughn with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Here with you today and right here next to me is... Pastor Terry Shuff. Good to have you back, brother, after a good weekend of serving good Jesus. And good to have all you folks here today. If you're joining us for the very first time, this is the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. and uh, We are here Monday through Friday, typically, unless uh, there's something on the calendar that changes it, holidays or whatnot. But uh, from 9 a.m. until uh, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time for an expository teaching in... The Word of God. And right now we've been on, uh, this is class number 99 in our teaching on the book of Romans. And so we've been at it, obviously, just a little while, and doing a really a line-upon-line, precept-upon-precept teaching on this book that we've referred to as the Magna Carta, literally, of the New Covenant. And you know, uh, Pastor Terry, as we're kind of getting set up for class, I think about class 100, you know, it's kind of incredible that we started this in, back in May. And back in May when we began, you were actually participating, like many of our folks that are live participating. But you were in Elkhart, Indiana, and uh, man, just think about everything that's happened since we uh, we began the teaching on the Book of Romans. But what's neat about the Book of Romans is it's literally 16 chapters of full-bodied Christian discipleship. Because, you know, you think about all the book of Romans, there's just 16 chapters, it's probably pretty limited. Really, what the book of Romans does, it really encompasses uh, really the, the whole of the gospel. You know, you go into a book and you, you want to find out what the book's about, you go and you go to the table of contents. Really, what the, what the book of Romans can be is really an expanded table of contents and even a... Uh, Uh, a glossary of terms for the entirety of the new covenant and so folks if you can ever get your spiritual arms literally around the book of romans what you're going to find is that you not only have a a greater and more thorough understanding of the new covenant but you'll have a greater understanding of what the old covenant was attempting to do and how it provided a shadow for those things to come and so if you're joining us for the very first time certainly we're on class number ninety-nine but never fear—we actually have these classes available for you for uh, free download in MP3 format. Go to our website, and our website is www.biggrace.com, and so you can actually go onto our website and download all of these previous classes free of charge, and uh, we're we're just blessed at being able to provide that to people. And we've talked about in the past, and we have pastors from several different countries, including Pakistan, India, and three African uh, uh, countries, that come on on a daily basis and uh, copy these, and they use those for the teaching in their indigenous schools. And so we encourage you to take these things. There's no copyright. You don't even have to give us credit for it. We're just there to... uh, lift up Jesus and to provide a service to you. And hopefully, what it will be is a catalyst in your life. To have that Acts 17.11 mentality of that we, we, we want to be more noble than the Thessalonians. We want to search the Scriptures daily to see if it was so. And so, well, you know what's interesting about that? We, we quote that Scripture from Acts 17.11 and even out of First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 5 about our gospel came not in word only but in power and in demonstration of the Holy Spirit and with much assurance. You know, when, when, when Paul begins to say things like this, it's no different than what we're saying now. When Paul came into Thessalonica, Thessalonica was a was a country that was really the hub of, uh, of, of much trade. And so it was, a, it was a city of about 200,000 people that was uh, right there at a, at a very strategic place for, uh, for evangelization in Greece and Ma- uh, uh, Macedonia. And Paul had received the vision uh, in Acts chapter, I believe, 16 that said he saw a man from Macedonia saying, come over and help me. And so he went. He, he got that vision. He said, "I know that I had to endeavor to go and preach the gospel." And folks, we're here today as literally men from Macedonia They we're just saying, you know, God has has put that word out. Come over and help us. And so, you know, we, we've we've received the word from the man of Macedonia and Pakistan, and the the man in India, and the man in Africa, and uh, and all across these United States and and, and Canada and, and Central and, and South America, and we're responding literally in this teaching, not unlike Paul did when he went to Thessalonica to bring that teaching. And so. Here we are responding to the man from Macedonia. And so he went, and what was interesting about that, uh, Pastor Terry, is when he went, he began to go through some severe persecution. The unbelieving Jews basically hired hitmen, and you read this in the in the Thessalonian letters. They hired hitmen to get rid of Paul, and they, when they couldn't find him, they had, uh, Jason, uh, a dear Christian brother, had allowed them to stay in their home, and so Jason took him in, and so they went after Jason, and Jason ended up having to pay a bail basically, and uh, to to uh, to kind of clear himself, and Paul had, uh, ended up leaving there, and he later connected with uh, with uh, with Silas and with uh, Timothy, uh, and ministered and wrote the, the book of First uh, Corinthians in Corinth. And actually that's, and from Corinth is where he actually wrote the book of, of, uh, of Thessalonians. And so we see that whole th- thing that's coming about. Then we get this Roman letter that encompasses... Basically, all those teachings. And so, 1 Thessalonians was the the response to the questions that they had. Timothy ended up sending, uh, Paul ended up sending Timothy back in. And so, folks, listen, when we get into the book of Romans, what it does is it begins to pull all these things together to equip us for the work of the ministry. And So, if you're here today and you've been with us for the very first time, or if you've been with us uh, any length of time, Folks, we're all about getting the Word in us. That way we can get the Word out of us into the other people's lives. And if you're not taking this Word, here we are 99 quote-unquote lessons in. If you're not taking and applying the principles of the Word of God in your daily life or in the ministry that God has called you to, or however you want to put those type of things, we We fail. Because our goal is not to sit behind a camera uh, five days a week, and we do other programs too in different formats. That's not our goal is to sit here and get recognized or build a name for ourselves. What our goal is is to build up the name of Jesus. And to thoroughly equip you and empower you to give you that word, to get it ingrained upon your heart for a couple reasons. Number one, that you, as, as Ephesians tells us, that you would not be any more tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. That way when something strange comes down the pike or, or something that is that is extra biblical or, or something that is outside the realm of what we call the, the orthodox teaching of the word of God, that immediately there's an alarm that goes off in your heart. And you're saying, you know what, something just doesn't line up. That you're going to be one that's like those Bereans that he went to following his departure from Thessalonica, that you're going to say, listen, I hear what you're saying, but I've got to go measure it against the Word of God. Folks, listen. This is the final say. I tell people in discipleship, if you don't have Bible, you don't have anything. And because our opinions or our ideologies or our philosophies or vain rudimentary teachings of men, as the Scripture calls them in the King James Version, those things are, 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 are worthless apart from an understanding of the Word of God. The Scripture tells us that His people perish because of a lack of knowledge. And so what we want to come and we want to equip you and empower you to move past that place of daily perishing. And some of you that are with us, you, you find yourself in a struggle. You find yourself never obtaining victory. You find yourself just always, it's always questioned. It, it always becomes, I'm just pursued of what, what is God saying? What is God saying? Folks, listen. When you begin to, to get that Word embodied in you through a, the, the Spirit of God and through really a knowledge of the Word of God, what becomes? It becomes real to you. It becomes life to you. And it's not this thing where I'm waiting on God to write something something in the sky or the tea leaves to fall in the right place. But it's that the intimacy of that voice. And the only way that you're going to know that voice is to spend time in the Word of God. As we say to close out every program, get into the Word and the Word to get into you. But because it's a living word. It's that the Nustos. It's that God breathed word. And so when we're here once again, coming into class 99, being class 100 tomorrow. You, you've got to allow God to breathe upon you. You've got to allow that breath to come upon you. That way you're inhaling the goodness of that breath, the Word of God. And so when you exhale, if uh, you know, if you believe as the Scripture says, out of your belly is going to flow rivers of living water. That's going to be the theonoustos in, the theonoustos out. And so you're going to have that, that God-breathed Word, and, uh, and you're going to speak out of it, out of the abundance of the heart. The mouth speaks, and the only way you're going to speak the word of God with power, with conviction, with clarity, and under the anointing is to allow that word to get into you. And I, I've seen so many times, and you know, I, I say this, and I can't underscore it enough, Pastor. You know, we're, we're here. We are 99 lessons. We're just basically about halfway through as far as the, the, the chapters go. So many people believe that there's a shortcut. They think that you just woke up one day and add water, and you get an understanding of these things. They don't realize the the days, the hours, the years of laboring in the Word of God to allow that Word of God to get into you. You know, when you do it, then you become you become skilled. It's like watching a skilled craftsman thinking, "You know, I want to learn to do that." And you're thinking that, "Hey, I want, that guy made such a nice, beautiful vase. I want to be able to do that. Maybe I can go take some pottery classes at Pottery Barn, and I'm going to do it." No, it's 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 laboring in that. And folks, listen. Your labor has got to be a labor of love after the Word of God on a daily basis. You've got to be like that deer that pants after the water brook. that's constantly in pursuit of the Word of God. God, reveal it to me. Show it to me. Holy Spirit, you said you would come and you would lead and guide me into all truth. And I'm, I'm expectant of that as we come to the Word of God. And so as we're coming into some, you know, these triple digit classes, so to speak, folks, I really don't want you to miss what God is, is wanting to do in our lives. And when I say ours, I'm not exempt from that. Certainly, I've studied the Word of God for years and years and years. But there's always, for me, a brand new discovery in the Word of God, a new truth, a new, uh, a new knowledge of Him, a greater intimacy with the Lord Jesus Christ, a, just a, a greater understanding through the experiences He brings me through and, and shows me what, what He wants to teach me. So, folks, listen, it is that relentless pursuit of the righteousness of God as revealed through the Word of God. And So, once again, if you're joining us, we thank you so much for, for taking the time. Some of these folks that are on us on our live program have been with us the, the, the duration of the time. And we so appreciate their faithfulness. But if you haven't, like I said, never fear. Those things are available to you. We, we, we're so grateful for the opportunity to teach the Word of God, to invest in you the things that God has freely invested into us. And so. Thank you so much for being with us. And I believe God is going to continue to do some tremendous things Amen. as we understand this magna carta of the Word of God. Pastor, why don't you open us in prayer? Just ask God's blessing on the teaching today that those that may struggle with just understanding and comprehension and retention, because it's a whole lot. You know, we call it the fastest hour on the internet. And it's it's a it's a lot in that, and you know, our goal is for your head to pop every single morning. And just to take those things, take those things in. So let's pray just for that, that wisdom, that clarity, that understanding. For, for those that are, are, are receiving that, and also for us, that God, just as Paul uh, prayed in, in, in Ephesians chapter 6, that we would have utterance to open our mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, that it would come forth with clarity, that it would be intelligible, and that people would be able to, to comprehend it. And don't forget, we always come together and we pray for those that are sick in their bodies. Let's pray for, the, 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 for God's healing and, and, and restoration to happen in, in people's lives that are struggling in their physical bodies today.
1: Heavenly Father, we just come to you today. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day, Father. And Father, help us to, to use this day productively, Father, for you, Father, to, to touch someone that's lost out there, Father. And Father, help us today, Father, to, to apply your word in any situation we're going through, Father. Help us not to try to make it through things on our own knowledge, Father, but to take the knowledge from your word and apply that father we do lift up all those today father that are that are sick or uh struggling with any kind of disease father and father we just uh ask for healing father from the top of their head to the tip of their toes father it's complete healing father father we lift up our brothers and sisters in pakistan and in india and in africa father that uh that watch the program daily, Father, and and take this word and use it, Father, in their countries. And, Father, we just ask uh, for a fire to come over them, Father, as they, they go out and apply this word. And, Father, just help us to absorb the word today, Father. And, Father, help us to be doers of your word and not mere listeners, Father. We just thank you, Father, so much for this day, Father, and for all that you do and all that you are. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Amen and amen. I do want to say this as we uh, t- the other ones are entering the room. If you have any questions regarding the the teachings that we do, folks, listen. We are so open to questions, uh, challenges, what whatever you want to call it. Uh, if, if if we say something that that you want some clarity on, and you need something a deeper explanation, or maybe you misunderstand what we say, or or you think we're just we just missed it, we, we would love to hear from you. We don't believe that we're the the end all, there all. But we believe that that God has entrusted us with the word. And, uh, we want to teach that. But if you have a question for us, or maybe a question on another subject, you can actually email me at Raven, R A V E N, at BigGrace.com, and Deb will put that on the screen. And and ask you any questions you'd like. Just address that to Pastor Troy at Raven at BigGrace.com is my email address. And I'd love to answer that. If it's something regarding our teaching, I'll actually, uh, I'll answer that right here on the the program live for everyone else to, to hear, and we'll bring some clarity into those subject matters. So anything like that that you want to know about, let me know, because uh, that's what we're here for. We want to be able to dialogue in that. If you're listening to us live and you have questions, uh, please hold those things off until the the, the, the 10 o'clock hour, Eastern Time, uh, when the teaching's completed. I'll stick with you after we go off live off the air, the live video feed. Uh, I'll be right here in the chat uh, portion of that, and I'll answer your questions, stay with you. Or if you want to call me up directly, you can call me at 504-202-0939, 504-202. 0939, and I'll take your call and uh, we can talk as long as you want to to bring clarity into that. And I also want to say this, if you're, if you're with us from somewhere else, we have these sites that are actually embedded. You see a number of people that are that are on the live, but we actually have the embedded screen in places that people don't actually click onto to get in. And uh, if, you're, if you're one of those, and you, uh, we'd certainly like to know where you're at, uh, email us too at raven at com, And we'd like to hear where you're from and what God is doing uh, in your neck of the woods and your, uh, your little corner of the kingdom. And uh, know how we can help you and If you're doing an outreach or anything else That you would uh, uh, need some help on We just got back from We was down in the South Florida, the Miami area Helping uh, uh, a brother uh, uh, Brother Ivan with Walk for Christ Do an outreach this past weekend We'd love to do that Come and serve in any way we can Certainly this in this forum We, uh, we teach the word of God This past weekend we were out just feeding feeding people We were cooking and feeding and being servants And so uh, that's what we're all about we're, We believe in being all things to all men That by all means we can reach some And and being a help if whatever the help is needed we want to do that we don't have to be the lead people and always out in the forefront Uh, matter of fact oftentimes we enjoy this kind of step back and and being a support and and a service to to anybody that needs help And so we want to be that to you as well so once again raven at biggrace.com or you can call the telephone number that's there uh, on the bottom of the screen this morning and we'd love to hear from you and help in any way Uh, we have people all the time that contact us and want to start raven chapters we believe that in the next four years that we'll have raven uh, ministry chapters here in the states in all 50 states And so if you're in one of these states that we're not represented by, and you go to our uh, website, biggrace.com, and click on Raven Nation and see where we're at, uh, man, we'd love to talk to you about starting up the Raven Ministries right there where you're at. And don't think that you're not qualified. Uh, Man, we've got people from all walks of life that are going out and making a change in their community just by uh, allowing the Holy Spirit to work in and through their lives. And you'd be amazed at what you can do uh, just by being faithful. And so I, I felt I needed to say that. To kind of put things in perspective for those that may be joining us for the first time, or listen to this in a recorded format. So we're in the book of Romans, the eighth chapter, class number ninety-nine. Dun, dun, dun. I'm gonna have some real neat music or something for the hundredth class tomorrow. Maybe we can get some. Wear a suit or something. Maybe pick. wear a suit, or we can get a one of them mock uh, ones with like the what do you call it, the tuxedo imprinted on it, or something like that. I don't know if I'll get, be able to get uh, Pastor Terry uh, out of uh, out of his t-shirt and shorts or whatever here in Central Florida, but maybe I can do it or maybe we can superimpose something on the screen that way it just looks like it. Deb said she'll wear a dress. Deb said she'd wear a dress. Okay. We're getting real formal here now. But maybe we can have some streamers or something exploding in the background or whatever else and maybe we can get the studio audience to applaud or something or I, I don't know what it is, but we'll do something neat for tomorrow's 100th class in there because it's really, it's, it's, it's kind of a milestone. You think about it, just the commitment that people have made to, to be with us. And so, Romans chapter 8, I'm going, to look, I'm going to read verses 1 and 2 to you this morning. It says, There is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. One thing is, we, is really as we continue to look at the 8th chapter, Pastor, and I've said this uh, on a daily basis, the 8th the chapter of the book of Romans is, is when God showed me this, it's what set me free. Literally, and if you'll if you look at what's interesting about the, the book of Romans in particular, we've talked about this as well. You, you take about Mar, think about Martin Luther and his uh, his uh, uh, contribution to the Reformation. And for him, you know, here's a man that was raised within the, the dogma of the Catholic Church. He was under that bondage of that uh, that legalized that legalism and that system, and was lifeless. And so things began to get stirred in him, and you know he began to just uh, just despise all the indulgences and all the things related to, to to Catholicism. And he got into the Book of Romans, and God, boom, opened it up. And specifically, this eighth chapter is noted, and you read about what Martin Luther just what happened in his life. And he began to see this gospel of, of grace come in. But there's such a freedom in the eighth chapter. You know, we look at we look at the first chapter, the second chapter, the third. Well, we look at all of them, leading up to this point. And we see how, we, and we talked about that, that the third chapter, it was a, a chapter of condemnation. It basically revealed that, that we've all sinned, we've come short of the glory of God, we've all fallen out of the way. And it began to just say, listen, sin has been condemned in the flesh. And if you want to walk in the flesh, go ahead and walk in the flesh. But condemnation is going to be upon you because that is, that, that, that is consistent with the flesh walk. And so, folks, if you're walking in, in condemnation on a daily basis, look no further than the mirror. All you got to do is look in the mirror. That's where condemnation points you to. And it points you to inward. And it a, it's a walk that even in its, in its... In its best case scenario, this causes you to walk in self-righteousness. It's always going to lead you right back to that place of condemnation because none of us are able to do anything apart from a complete and total reliance and surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have no ability. We, are, we, were, we were broken and we were irreparable apart from the transformation that happens to us according to Second Corinthians 5.17. We, we were in desperate need of that. And So the third chapter really pointed towards that. The seventh chapter that we just left last week, it, it basically just reveals, Paul said, listen, i got your same struggles. Then we come to this glorious 8th chapter, brother. And I tell you what, this this is if you're into shouting and dancing and praising the Lord, this is where you do it, okay? This is the portion of the service where you say, listen, I've got victory in Jesus. And so that condemnation we talked about always points you inward. But when conviction comes, it's just the opposite. It points you outward. And it causes Jesus to be lifted up, and you begin to get drawn to Him. And he said, if He's lifted up, He draws men to Him. And then we, by faith, because of the declaration of Romans 8, 1 and 2, what happens is we're seated now with Him in heavenly places. And so our, our, our declaration is different because our, our, our perspective is different. And so if I'm living and walking my life according to there's no condemnation of those in Christ Jesus, what am I going to have? I'll really, tell you what, it sets me in a, in a, different, a totally different uh, 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 paradigm. And, and, and now I'm, I'm walking in something, so I see things different, I hear things different. And so, you know, I have these situations all the time that come up and maybe we're in a group of people or somewhere ministering or something and, and somebody's come to me later and said, hey, did you hear what such and such said? And I said, yeah. And they said, well, you know what they really meant by that? And I said, well, no, I just heard what they said. Well, you know, and, and, I, and I've, told, I've said this many times to people. Listen, I don't function in the realm of condemnation. And so if that person had something to say about me, listen, I'm just going to take it for, for face value because I'm not going to live in hearing words of condemnation. I don't want to walk in that respect, and I'm always measuring things through the condemnation of my own flesh. And so I want to I want to walk in the First Corinthians thirteen mentality that if I got love, I'm not I'm not I'm not filtering things through my flesh. I'm filtering it through the aspect of how God sees things in love, folks. And that's another thing that no condemnation does for you. It causes you to hear people different. I've said this many times in discipleship, folks. It's not so important as what people say it's what they mean. okay? Because things can be lost in translation. We can take something wrong or whatever else. But if we're hearing through the, the ears literally of that transformation that comes from a revelation and an application if I can use all these shuns of, 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 of Romans 8.1 then we're, we're, we're perceiving even our brothers and sisters in Christ in a different way. And so we're, we're not, like the world said. we're not wearing our feelings on our, our sleeves that every time somebody says something or does something, they're, they're smacking us and we, we feel offended by those things. But what's happening? We're, we're walking in the victory and we're, we're walking with an expectancy of righteousness, not just for ourselves, but for other people as well. And so we don't return evil with evil, but evil with good. And in doing so, that's what brings the coals of fire. Coals of fire aren't a bad thing. The coals of fire are the holiness of God into those circumstances. So if I follow peace with all men and holiness without which no man can see the Lord... Condem- no condemnation in, in getting that law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus setting me free from it allows me to have a complete different perception on everything I do. And so my outlook is going to be clear. Why? Because then I can believe what Paul's going to talk about further in this chapter that, that he causes everything to work together for our good. I can believe what he said in Philippians chapter 1 that, that he that began a good work in me is going to be faithful to complete the good work. And that good work is, a, is the work of there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus that walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And so that's what we're trying to get at. And if you, if you, if you miss that whole aspect in the 8th chapter, you've missed the benefits of that in Jesus' name. And so uh, he, he goes on to say, For the law of the Spirit, the life of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. And so I, I know that that's, that, that that's applicable when I'm not walking after the flesh. When I walk after the flesh, what's going to happen? I'm going to reap according to the flesh, because I've sown after the flesh. And so, one of the things that we dealt with as we closed out that last week's teaching in Romans 8, 1 and 2, is the subject of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, setting me free from the law of sin and death. There's something, you know, we, we think about the law of sin and death, and really, brother, most of us, at one time or another, and some, even today, that are sincere, genuine believers, you find certain areas of your life that are still shackled by the law of sin and death. That you walk and there's such a, a guilt in your life based upon things in the past. There's, there's such a bondage to, to maybe different struggles in your life. Maybe you're dealing with some type of sin. Maybe you're a man out there and you're, you're, you're dealing with lust in your heart. Or maybe you're a, you're, you're a woman dealing with lust in your heart. Or maybe you're, you're an individual that's dealing with unforgiveness or bitterness. You know what you're doing? You're allowing that area of your life to be shackled by the law of sin and death. And so what does that do? You're, you're crippled. You're shackled. And, and that is, as you wear that thing, you can try to dress it up all you want to, but it's, it, it's just like a shackle on your wrist, brother, it's going to rub you the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And you're going to suffer, and it's, it's, you're going to be affected by that. And as you're affected by that, you're going to become infected by that, and it's going to spread to other areas of your life. And it's going to completely wreck your testimony. But what he's saying is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus becomes the key. Literally, to break those chains of bondage. And the adversary, what he wants to do to each and every one of us, folks, when we come to this place, we come to, God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, condemnation, but the world through Him might be saved, according to John chapter 3. And so, what the enemy wants to do is he wants to come and offer us the shackles of condemnation. He wants to offer them through disappointment. He wants to offer them through broken uh, uh, relationships. Whatever he can do, he wants to throw another shackle. It is not unlike the picture we have when Paul and Silas were ministering and they were, they were cast into prison. What did they want to do? They wanted to shackle them by their circumstance and by their environment. Now, it would have been easy for, for them to say, because you'd hear this in the modern uh, day church and even modern day evangelism. You know, somebody went and they got shattered and they said, Oh man, you know what? God just let them down. You know, they could have said that and they could have said we were just great men of God doing a tremendous thing and now here we are all locked up and we're, we're in the stocks and we're, we're shackled in and, and man, we're not getting good food to eat and we're being persecuted. But what did they do? They, they didn't allow condemnation to come in even within the confines of that environment. And so they began to praise the Lord. And they began to worship. And what did it say? Condemnation, or in their case, the, the condemnation that had man, man, uh, uh, manifested itself in a prison, under the, under the prison literally, it, uh, it began to break and the doors got open. Folks, listen, some of you that are listening today and maybe some of you that are live, listen, circumstances have imprisoned you. They, they have. But listen, condemnation will only come when you focus upon the circumstance rather than the one who transcended the circumstance. Death wears your sting. Grave wears your victory. Death has been swallowed up in victory. That, that law of sin and death gets swallowed up in the victory that came through the finished work of the cross of Calvary. And as we put our, our, our trust and our faith in Him, we begin to see those circumstances mean very little to us. Folks, listen, God didn't come to change your circumstance. He came to change who you are. Do you hear what I'm saying? He came to change the the person you are, not where you're at. Because, you know, God doesn't promise, you know, so many times in evangelical Christianity. Why don't you come to the front and pray this prayer, and all your problems are solved? Brother, for me, that you know, I, I, my problems, quote unquote, started the day I got saved. Why? Because then I began to see them for what they really were. And in this world, you'll suffer tribulations, you'll go through trials. He said, but do not fear. Do not move from the the, the, the opposite spectrum of faith. He said because he's overcome the world. And so, how's he overcome the world? that that. that the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes us free, sets us free from the law of sin and death. And so regardless if you find yourself in a prison, regardless if you find yourself in, a, in struggling in a, in a particular relationship, regardless if you find yourself uh, in, in, in a difficult uh, a circumstance regarding your finances or whatever it might be, you, you've got to move past seeing the condemnation that says, what can I do? And move to the, the, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that said it's already been done. And so this, this circumstance I'm seeing is just temporary. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to pr- worship my way out of it. I'm going to praise my way out of it. And we talked about last night in our, in our uh, Raven House to House on Sunday nights that sometimes the, the, the manifestation of your worship isn't necessarily in a song. Maybe it's just in being steady. Maybe it's just in being faithful. Maybe it's not in being swayed by your emotions or whatever else. And so that expression of worship becomes the manifestation of that key that says He set us free from the lost sin and death. And so even though the shackles may be laying there, they lay helpless at our feet. They don't have the ability to imprison us. They don't have the ability to quote-unquote affect us and infect the rest of us because of who Christ Jesus is and what He's done into our life. And so I shared with you that we are always under a law. Okay? People like to say, you know, you, you'll talk to them and, 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 and quote-unquote modern religious people like to say, well, let's listen, that's just, you're, you're, that's just legalism. You're trying to hold me to the Word. No, the Word is not legalism. The Word is what sets you free from legalism. Apart from the Word is what does that. But the, you know, people don't want to believe that we're under the law. But folks, we are. We're under a law. If you're in Christ Jesus, you're under a law. If you're not under Christ Jesus, you are under a law. Now, the, the, the question is, which law do we want to be under? You know, brother, I want to be under a law. I want to be under a, a, a set of guidelines and circumstances, which is a law is. A law is a, a principle to live by. And so if you're not under, you want to say I'm under the law, what are you? That's anarchy. And so that brings destruction. You've got to. A a, a child left to itself without the principles brings its mother to shame. And that he chastens those that that he loves. He brings the chastening aspect of the law in. It's our schoolmaster. The law is our schoolmaster. So it brings an instruction to our life. And so we've got to say, which one am I going to be under? Am I going to be under one that the consequences are going to be victory? Or am I going to be one that the consequences are going to be condemnation? Because it always, there is that law. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows. Whatever law you sow to, that you're also going to reap. If I, if I sow to the flesh corruption, I'm going to reap from it death. If I sow life, what, uh, holiness and righteousness in Christ Jesus, I'm going to reap from it life. And so which law or principle do I want to be under? So we're always under a law. But the thing about it is, Pastor, and we talked about this last week, there's always the subsequent law that follows each one. That in turn takes precedent over that earlier law. Okay, I want to say that again. I don't know if you got it because I really dumped a lot of that on you last week. But that new law becomes more powerful than the law, uh, uh, than the previous laws that's enacted and applied. But it's got to be that. We've got to say, listen, there is a law that's not only enacted, but it's implied. Back in the, uh, the 1800s, when the, the United States was embattled in the late 1860s uh, uh, with the, the, the United States, the Civil War. And the Civil War was fought for what? Primarily. Over the issue of slavery. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the northern states wanted to, to have a, a break from slavery. The southern states wanted to, to keep slavery. So it was it was the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus versus the law of sin and death, pretty much. Let's, let's set people free and let's not. And so a law came into pass. And, and, and President Abraham Lincoln signed something called the Emancipation Proclamation. And it was a law. It was enacted. Now... Because they didn't have the uh, the, uh, the widespread uh, media or the uh, telecommunications that we have today, that law wasn't immediately applied. Do you hear what I'm saying? And there actually became a fight for that law. And that the, became the, 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 the Civil War. And so even though the, it was signed into law, that because it wasn't applied, there were still people held under slavery. There were still people that wanted to operate under the struggle and the stronghold of the previous The previous law that said people can do that, and so another law was enacted. It set it it set the slaves free on paper. Okay, folks, listen. You are free on paper, so to speak. But until you take the principles of this word and you begin to apply them, until you allow the proliferation of that truth to come out, it's it's just on paper. It's not life to you. And so, you can own a Bible, you can go to church, you can be a part of a Sunday school class, you can uh, listen to Christian radio, or whatever it is, but until you allow that to be applied into your life, there's still slavery. And so there were still hundreds of thousands of people held in slavery, even though that law was in place. Brother, I got good news. Two thousand years ago, there was a law signed, and it was it was not written by by uh, by a pen on paper, but it was, it was written by nail scarred hands and blood that was poured out from the precious blood of Jesus, who's called the Lamb slain before the foundations of the world. That law, brother, is on the books. That Amen. law that sets men free. Good. That law that delivers. That law that brings hope. That law that brings life. It's on Amen. the books, and there. But there is a war. There is a civil war that has no civility to it whatsoever. There is a war because the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus was that law that was not unlike a type of of what Abraham Lincoln signed, that Emancipation Proclamation. When Jesus Christ hung upon that cross and He said, It is finished. He said, It is finished. The the, the law of slavery, the law of bondage to sin, the law of always having to live under condemnation, the law of always walking in, in 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 the yokes of bondage, he said, come unto me, you that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. And my burdens, those things are easy in light." He said, listen, if you could come to that place of that understanding and, and the application of that law, yeah, there's going to be a fight. Yeah, there's going to be casualties along the way. Just like there were on those, those battles filled at places like Gettysburg, this that, right outside of where our Raven East coast uh, is, is. And there's, there's bloodshed that's fallen on those. Unfortunately, that, much of that bloodshed has been on, in, the, in, in the church houses. It's been with a misunderstanding that there is a victory. And, and Christ didn't come to bring us unto bondage. He came to set us free from the law of sin and death by the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Something you want to interject into? You no. Know, he just, just, i just
1: think I, I want to visit Gettysburg sometime when I get a chance. To, you know, yeah, there you
0: go. You've driven through it, but you didn't get a chance to stop. And so, folks, listen. That's exactly what that, that law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It has become the greater law that has brought us victory over that law that had previously, quote, unquote, been passed. And so, you know, I share with you that we're in that thing, but there have been laws in this nation that have remained on the books, yet were effectively overridden by a new law that served to complete or correct the old law. And and, and once again, folks, this is so true in, in the Word of God and in the Kingdom of God that there's a law of sin and death which was enacted at the moment that man fell in the garden. It is, boom, it came in. Not unlike when, uh, when, when, when men were taken from their own countries and, and bound in slavery in this nation, in other nations that had slavery, even African people were keeping African people in slavery. And so it's, it's not just a, it was not just a, a USA or a North American dilemma. It was a, it's been a worldwide thing, always wanting to hold somebody in bondage. Folks, listen, that, that law of sin and death, as soon as Adam fell, the freedom that they knew, it was over. And the shackles of sin were upon them. And, and, and you know, it almost became well, this, this isn't too bad. I guess I could learn to, to live with this. Folks, listen. As those shackles stayed, there's always going to be another link to that chain. There's always going to be another pound to that, that weight that's going to be there. And so that, that, that law, uh, it was a law that stood literally until another law came along. And when I'm talking about these, these principles and, 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 and laws that come in and, and supersede the previous one, there was a law of faith that followed that. Maybe you don't even think about that. What came after the law of, of sin and death in the garden? There was a law of faith. And why can I say that? Because I know what Galatians 3.6 says. Even Abram believed God or had faith and it was accounted unto him for righteousness, and so even though the law of sin and death when God called out Abram for Bureau of the Chaldees and said, "I want to make a people," and he said he believed God, and so the law of faith came in, and even though the, and this, is, this preceded the, the law of Moses, that moral law of Moses, and so the law of sin and death was there, and so how could God make him a people? Because there's another law enacted. He said, yeah, there is a law of sin and death. There was not even a, a nation of Israel. There was no Jews. Abram and his family, he became Abraham, the father of many nations. Which we're we've, uh, Fortunately, we've become the byproduct of his the law of faith, the, the initial the institution of the law of faith. And so it superseded that, and Abram became Abraham, and he, he, his escape from the law of sin and death was accomplished through the law of faith, and the law of faith became the greater of those two laws. And so it it became a progressive thing. That that, that gave way eventually to the law of Moses. And and we talked about now we're at this this age of grace and we have the the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You know, I used that example last week of an aircraft. uh, uh, And the airplane is under the law of gravity as it sits idle right there on the tarmac. And so it has all the components. Quote, unquote, there's a law in the books. But as long as that airplane just sits there... Even though it has jet engines, even though it has wings, it still does not fly until that law that's in place, which in in physics, uh, it's called the law of the greater power. There's got to be something that comes upon that aircraft that enables it, that somebody, quote-unquote, sets in the the, the captain's chair and and turns on the the, the aircraft. And so it has two components that are there. One of the components for the law of the greater power in, in aviation is thrust. And so they got the thrust that's there. The second thing is lift. The lift is based upon the, the configuration of the wings. And so even though it has wings and it has engines. Until you, you get in and turn it on, there's no power in it. Mm-hmm. Folks, some of you are, are sitting quote-unquote on the tarmac of religion. You're sitting on the tarmac of your of your church pew and you're wondering why you're not getting lifted up. Because you, God has given you the components. But you've got to say, God, I want you to come in and I want you to, in the, to become the captain of my salvation. I want you to, to put the fuel, so to speak... Uh, into that engine, I want you to become that spark that's going to ignite that, that's going to bring thrust into my life. Folks, listen, that plane will never rise above the gravitational pull of the earth until it's got thrust and until it gets moving. And until you get moving with the things of God, you said to yourself, listen, well, one day when God moves me, or one day, you know what, I've got all these things and God's given me these promises I've got in the Word. Folks, you've got to get out of your seats, so to speak, and into the streets. You've got to move from the complacency of your cozy place right there tucked in close to the terminal, so to speak. Amen. You've got to pull away, and you've got to pull back that power. And, and, brother, I tell you what, I fly all the time now, so it's not that much of a thing. But I, I guarantee you, when I first started flying, every time that thing, man, I was big, I had white-knuckle religion. I was grabbing that. Lord Jesus, help me get through this. And, and I'd feel the power of that plane, and we'd, we'd get lift off. And, you know, until I got at about a cruising altitude of 30,000 feet, you know what? I was thinking, okay, stabilize, stabilize. There's turbulence. Folks, in our spiritual walk, it's the exact same thing that he's talking about right here. God has given us those components. He has put those things in it, and, and, and he's, he's set in the, the driver's seat by faith. And as long as we, we uh, allow him to, to empower those things that he's put in our life, listen, we're going to transcend. We're going to rise above that gravitational uh, pull of the sin nature. And that's what it is. It's constantly pulling. Because, brother, I guarantee you, 30,000 feet, break those wings off. And you know what's going to happen? You're going to drop like a rock. You hear what I'm saying? You leave the wings on. Uh, cut those engines. You know what's going to happen? You're going to drop like a rock. You might be in a controlled free fall but you're going to come down eventually and you're going to make a, a heavy impact and there's going to be casualties involved. Folks, it's the exact same thing. You can't think that you're going to walk an aisle one day and get saved and say, and think every night now I lay me down to sleep and I pray the Lord my soul to keep and think that you're going to turn off the, 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 the quote-unquote the thrusters and stop moving forward in Christ Jesus and expect to stay above the gravitational pull of the sin nature. Guys, it is a daily walk. I've got to die to myself daily. I've got to take up my cross daily. I've got to deny myself daily. I've got to follow Him daily. I've got to crucify myself on a daily basis yes. to keep myself rising above and have the law of a greater power and allow the power of God to come into my life and to move me and to give me spiritual lift. That's why I've got to worship Him. That's why I've got to pray on a daily basis. That's why I've got to study the Word. That's why I've got to be faithful to be a doer of the Word rather than just a listener, as you quoted earlier when we was praying from James chapter 1. and The second we do that, what happens? Boom! It, it overrides the power of that gravitational pull of, of sin. And so, when we look at 1 and 2, guys, that's really what, it, what it's going to sum up. And so, in speaking about the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, setting us free from the law of sin and death, those overriding elements necessary for it to become the, the, the greater power over sin and the sin nature is, is repentance and faith towards God. Not just a one-time thing. Not just, okay, I hit the thrusters, I've got the lift, now let's shut her down and we're going to cruise the west of the way in. Folks, listen, it's got to be a daily walk of repentance. Repentance isn't a response to sin. And I've taught this. And you can go back to some of the lists. I couldn't tell you in the 99 which one it was that I taught this on. That repentance is not a a response to sin. Repentance is a response to righteousness. Okay? And I I said, you know, when's the best time to to realize that it's not a good idea to jump off the the top of a a 10-story building? Is it halfway down? No, it's before you leave the edge. Because repentance is the the moral compunction to think differently. And so we're enticed by sin. We're enticed back into that quote-unquote spiritual freefall or the law of sin and death. We're enticed and when it's conceived, then it brings forth death. And so we can't say, well, you know what, I didn't know what I was doing. Absolutely, we know exactly what we're doing. When we speak a, a, an ill word against someone, we know what we're doing. When, when, when we're not faithful to do the things of God, when we entertain uh, lustful thoughts or unforgiveness, we know exactly what we're doing. When we enter into that free fall agreement with the adversary and pull down. And so, but we, so we've got to walk in that thing where we're not jumping off the edge and saying, oh God, I'm really sorry about that. Brother, there's going to be a splat. There's going to be a consequence when we leave the ledge, so to speak, of the law of the greater power and we walk into the gravitational pull of sin. And, and there's going to be a consequence. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. And so we've got the components of that are necessary, the repentance and faith towards God, and they're activated, so to speak, I should say, by the, the jet fuel of grace. By that charis, by that divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in the life. And so when that jet fuel of grace is ignited, boom, what happens, brother? Man, we've got the victory. We've got the peace that passes understanding. We've got the, the hope that maketh not ashamed. We've got the joy unspeakable and full of glory. We've got the ability to do something that transcends our inability. Why? Because the Spirit of, of God is going to uh, God about according to the Chronicles and is looking for those that He can show Himself strong on whose hearts are perfect towards, all, he, towards Him who have been activated by by the Spirit of God, and, and when those components are activated, they feel the greater power, they're able to lift us beyond those limitations and failures of the natural man of the flesh and bring us into the realization and revelation of what he's telling us. The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. Then Romans 8.3 and he says, for what the law could not do, okay, what could it not do? It, it, did it perhaps not do? It says, literally a better translation, for the impossibility of that law and that what it could not do and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. And so what this is saying, brother, in, in the context of, of Romans 8.3, is saying that the law of Moses when it came, this, this law that it was weak in regards to the fact that, it, it, that the only ability that it had was to condemn sin in the flesh. I don't know if you've thought about that. But the only ability that the law of Moses had was to condemn sin in the flesh. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. What did they do? They had other gods. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. You Honor your mother and father. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not covet. Thou shalt not commit adultery. All these, 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 these things that were encompassed, we call them the Ten Commandments. All they could eventually do and all they were really designed to do was to condemn the sinner. Because no one could measure up to that. And so what the law sought to do and accomplished, it accomplished completely. It condemned sin in the flesh. It says you have no ability to do those type of things. And so when the law of Moses or the Ten Commandments came or were given, what they served to do was provide literally the moral parameters uh, wherein the righteous individual could be declared holy before God. But the problem was was that no one could meet the prescribed criteria for those laws. It says if you didn't do these things... You'll be holy. But no one could do those things. And they say, Well, I did most of those things. Well, what does he say? If you offended one point of the law, you've offended it all. And so you may be there to them. We've confronted this on the on the streets before we're talking about somebody about living righteously. And people say, Well, I don't kill. Well, I don't steal. Well, I don't I've never murdered anyone. Then you start nailing them down, Well, have you ever lusted? They're sleeping with their girlfriend. Yeah, and we just had that just two weeks ago out on the streets. Sleeping, having sexual immorality, and we take them. You know, Jesus said, you know, under the law of Moses it says, you should not commit adultery. But the Word of God says, Jesus, a greater law that's been enacted afterwards, the greater principle and the greater uh, 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 criteria says, if you look at a woman, the lust after with your eyes, you've already committed adultery in your heart. And we know that the wages of sin is death. And so, even though you haven't murdered anyone, the word says, you know what? You said, thou shalt not murder. But he said, if you have ought or you have hatred against a brother, he said, you've already committed murder in your heart. And so, in doing that, what's you've done? You've had other gods before him. You've taken his name in vain. You've not remembered the you've, you, you, you've, you've nullified any of your personal righteousness in regards to that because you failed. And so, that law came and, and no one had the ability To to have no other gods. To not do those type of things. All we had the ability was is to be condemned which is exactly what Romans chapter 3 taught us. But the good news is we got Romans chapter 8 i not you glad that it wasn't this 15 chapters in the book of Romans that we got this 8th chapter that tells us, listen guys, you were in prison, but I, through your worship, through your faithfulness, through your obedience to what I'm trying to teach you in the Word of God as Paul the Apostle is teaching us in this, listen, there is a victory over those things. So another law came into effect, and that was the, uh, after that, that law of faith that Abram had, and it became the law of sacrifice, which became a type of the cross okay and in the Old Testament this law uh, though because it was only a type in the shadow could not free man from the law of sin and death all it could do was offer a momentary reprieve from this law that was always at work to condemn the sinner by nature and so uh you know, we we got this law of the sacrifices. So, uh Abram it was it said he he had faith and it was counted unto him righteousness, then he offered a, a sacrifice, then Moses comes along and we get that, that moral law of Moses, and within that there's this these sacrifices. We did ten lessons. I think it was classes, what was it, sis? Twenty the one on the on the tabernacle? Oh
1: twenty.
0: Around 30, around, around 30. If you go to 30, you can go frontwards and backwards on those teachings. We talked about a lot of this. And that's the law of the sacrifice that came in. But once again, brother, it was only designed for a momentary reprieve. Because the, 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 the blood of bulls and the, the blood of lambs, it's going to dry up. And so our ability to walk under that quote unquote is going to dry up. And we see people that, that come and they're in, they come into a church and they're, they're excited, but they're not walking under the law of the, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They're walking under the law of religion. And so it dries up after a while. They're there for one thing. What happened to them? They were so excited about serving God for a while. Now they don't even go to church and they're back living the same life. Because they never got set free. They want to adopt a shadow. So, uh, shadow Christianity, or carnal Christianity, thinking that it was going to carry them through, but it, quote unquote, that blood dried up on the altar. And so, what people are trying to do, brother, in that, and we see it in today's church, is, is they really don't want sin to become condemned in the flesh and take on that new nature of Christ Jesus. They just want a stay of execution. And so you hear about all the time that that the the, the United States Supreme Court has offered a stay of execution for a convicted murderer in Texas or in California or whatever else until they can look at the facts. And so people are like, oh, good. But you know what? They offer a stay of execution. That just means they're postponing it. It doesn't mean that man's moved off of death row. And so, folks, every single one of us in our lifetime had received a momentary reprieve or a stay of execution. And we think, oh, I'm good. I'm I'm not going to go to death row. Well, you haven't been pardoned until you come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And what the world has thought for two thousand years is, even after the cross, is that because death and judgment wasn't instantaneous, they thought it was. They thought it had been nullified, and that's what the world does because they've got a reprieve, because they got a, a momentary stay of execution based upon the grace and mercy of God. They said, "Well, God's not going to do anything." You know, these Christians are telling me I'm, I'm out having sex and I'm having a good time or I'm out, you know, doing drugs or partying or whatever else and, I, and I'm God isn't judging me and they shake their fist in heaven. But I tell you what, there's coming a day of reckoning. There's coming a day where they're going to have to sit in that jury room and they're going to stand before the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords before that great white stone judgment and the books are going to be opened. The evidence is going to be entered into the record. And it says that every man is going to be judged according to his works and whosoever's name is not found written in the Lamb's book of life is going to be cast into the lake of fire for eternity. And the only way we're going to come from that or have those principles and remove from that is the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus setting us free from the law of sin and death. And so all laws, apart from the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, will eventually reveal the inability of fallen man. The, the law of sacrifice did that it did Abram you know the law of faith he had a faith that was prior to the cross prior to the transformation that Jesus had through the death, burial, and resurrection and what happened to him? when it came time where he found himself in a little bit of a thick or a little bit of danger he told Sarah don't tell anybody you're my wife just tell them you're my sister because you're so attractive they might want to kill me for you and so folks what about you? how have you been like that? What what has put the pressure on you? And you said, you know what, I want to believe God, but you know, just for a moment I want to turn that off for a second because I'm thinking that the, the declaration or the proclamation of my faith may get me in trouble. And so you turn it off and what do you immediately do? Once you revert from that law of faith, in his case, you immediately slip right back into the law of sin and death so what did he find himself doing? The, the king says, why did you tell us this lie? Why didn't you just tell us the truth? And our king is asking the same thing. Folks, speak the truth. Admit it. Confess your sins. The, the, the times of refreshing could come from the presence of the Lord according to, to Acts uh, 3.17. And allow 319. And allow the, the power of God to come and, and do that, that transformation in your life. And so when we un, uh, uh, come from uncover to that, we find ourselves once again moving back into that. So it says that God sending his son here in in Romans 8. And I want to read that again. For what the law of God could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And so when it says, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, what the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus served to do was literally issue a final edict in regards to this law uh, uh, upon anyone who would just come under the law by grace through faith and stay, brother, i got to say this, stay under the jurisdiction of that law. Folks, your Christian walk has got to continuously be refueled. You know, in, in aviation today, brother, you don't even have to stop on the, at the airport to be refueled. Military planes, the they're, 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 they're refueled in the air. Folks, listen, that is, should be the Christian walk. Really, that whole picture of, of aviation and the law of the greater power should be ours. You don't have to come down and crash. Do you hear me? You don't have to land and say, well, you know what, man, God's been doing something up here for me. I've been seated with Him in heavenly places. Folks, listen, He will bring the fueling tanker to you. You don't have to live this up and down life of one day I'm up and one minute I'm down. What does He do? He comes and He refuels you in midair. We've got to say, listen, God, I am not living in in the dominion of the law of sin and death. I'm not living in the dominion of the condemnation of the flesh. What I'm going to do is I'm going to allow the, the work of God to work in my life and I'm I'm going to stay seated with Him. I'm going to keep the God perspective that we've talked about. I'm going to allow God to refuel me in midair. I'm going to stay doing. I'm not going to say, well, I'm going to go hide for a little while and maybe God will fix things. No way. I'm going to keep pressing. I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to do what it says in Philippians 3, forgetting the things that are behind. Forgetting the tarmac and the cozy confines of the air terminal. And I'm going to continue to keep the thrust on. I'm going to continue to allow the lift of God's Spirit and allow Him to lift me and allow me to be lifted as I focus upon Him and knowing that as I seek Him, and as I press towards that mark, that man, that fueling plane is always going to come up and it's going to drop that line to me and he's going to be pumping the Spirit of God into me. He's always going to give me hope. Now, folks, you don't get taught that in the church, okay? You got something you want to add i going
1: to say, brother, on that it's seeking him yes. as far as us, you know, taking that where we're going to seek him and, and seek this word. But it made me think of uh, Eileen and I got saved February 20th, in 1994. We went and uh, we sat in a, well, we moved around a little bit church-wise, but one church and then another church where we stayed for eight years. But there we we watched what went on in that church. We became part of what was going on in that church. Did we learn stuff in that church? We sure did. But the thing of it is, is we we basically, like if you see a, a bunch of cows out in a pasture, I mean... Uh, there's a lead cow. Right. And there's all those other cows are going to follow that cow. I mean, you're not going to see them all, you know, especially if they're just coming out. There's a lead one. And and really, that's kind of what I look at is we got into that. We were doing what, we, uh, what everybody else was doing in the church. We were showing up, you know, and then the next thing we become elders. And, you know, we'd get together on Sunday afternoon and pray over the whole elders list and... And, that was it uh, and brother I mean it never got to be much more than that and and uh you know after four years that's when Eileen and I started hitting the streets but and and doing things and seeking him i never well you know I read parts of the Bible after I got saved but the thing was is is i i didn't have that i had a hunger but not the hunger I have today for this mm-hmm. and you know every day just applying it more because you know, you got again in the church. You got people just
0: following the herd. Well, it's that never it becomes the air terminal mentality that you know the plane's out there. You're there, and you can go to the snack bar anytime you want. And even sitting there on the tarmac, brother, you can reach in and, and it'll tell you all about the plane, how many passengers, and everything else. And I think what the church has done, it's it's just that adopted that type of mentality. They they pull, you're you're now seated in a Boeing seven forty seven, etc. But until you take off, you really never know that. And unfortunately, most people in the church, a Barna survey of a number of years ago said uh, approximately 97%, I believe, of Christians have never personally led someone to Jesus. They've never left the terminal. They've just always been there. And as a result, they've never got the lift, they've never got the thrust, and they've never got to see what Paul the Apostle said. You know what? I, I knew a man one time that was got to look into the third heaven. And you never have that type of experience and that type of relationship with him. And so you're, you find yourself literally, you don't know it, but you're under that law of sin and death. And that condemnation is always upon you. Why? Because you are that hearer and you're not the, the, the doer. And so you're deceived and you think you're okay. And you know what? I think every single one of us would probably be at that place. And so you've got to come into that place of, of under the jurisdiction of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus that sets you free. But it sets you free that it, you might be the messenger that sets other people free. And, and, and you've got to stay within the jurisdiction of that law. And what it becomes, really, brother, it's kind of like that—the overlaw, uh, the that overriding law of the transformation. Of the Spirit of God is like the sanctuary for the believer. And you know, you look at, you watch a movie or something. Somebody did a crime, and they would go into the church and they would say, "Sanctuary," you know, that you couldn't come in as long as they were within that jurisdiction of that ch- the church walls. And so they could stay there indefinitely. And they always had sanctuary. They were free within that jurisdiction. But the second they walked out, what happened? Another law came into effect, and the shackles were put back on them. Folks, we've got to get sanctuary, literally, within the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. We've got to stay within the jurisdiction of that, stay within the parameters of that law. But brother, I believe that the greatest tool that the adversary uses to get people to come away from the protection of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus is that erroneous teaching of unconditional eternal security. And so, or we use the term, once saved, always saved. And it it sounds good, but it's so contrary to the Word of God. And so it says, listen, if I went in and I could say, well, I claim quote-unquote sanctuary, I claim victory because of the, the blood of Jesus, and, and I'm there, and now I'm going to just go live like the devil, But I guarantee condemnation is going to find you. And the, the law of sin and death is going to find you uh, as well. James five nineteen through 20 says, Brothers, if any do err from the truth, that come out from under the jurisdiction of the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, and one converts him let him know that he which converts, and now it's calling, when it wouldn't call him a brother. Now it's saying, if one converts the sinner from the error of his way, you shall save his soul from death and shall hide a multitude of sins. Mm. And so, that, that he was called a brother. But now he's called a sinner and it says if you convert him or if you bring him back under the jurisdiction of the Romans eight one two and 3 principle of being set free from that and understanding that the law could not do it, the moral law or our attempts or our religiosity could not do it, and it was weak in our own flesh or in our own will, God sent His Son in the, in the, in the, in the, in the likeness of sinful flesh, not in sinful flesh or not in the flesh, but He sent him in the likeness of sinful flesh. He came and was, was incarnate. He became God with us. All God but all man. And He paid the price for that to set us free. That man might have victory over those things of the adversary. But folks, that is a continued abiding. You've got to keep the fuel coming. You've got to stay in that relationship with Jesus to be elevated. And if you err from the truth, what you've done is you are falling like a rock. And so our responsibility is, and that's why we come here, we don't want you to fall into that trap of, you know what, once in the air, always in the air. Once saved, always saved. Unconditional eternal security. I prayed a prayer, I did this, now I can live like the devil. That is a lie straight from the pits of hell. If I abide in him and his word abides in me, then I will be his disciple. I've got to deny myself, take up my cross and follow him. This erroneous teaching that says, listen, just just hit it and you can coast into the kingdom Brother it is it is i believe it has been responsible to send untold thousands into a devil's hell we don't have any more time uh, today, unfortunately, once again, the fastest hour in in the internet teaching. But folks, we're so glad you, that you were here, and we're going to be here for class one hundred in the morning. And we so appreciate you being here. We love you. If you have any questions, uh, you can uh, email them to Raven at BigGrace dot com, or you can once again, my phone number will flash across the screen. <coughs> Excuse me, five zero four two zero two zero nine three nine. Have any questions, comments, want to talk, whatever else? I'm I'm here for you. But we love you, and we got one bit of advice today.
1: Get into God's Word, and God's Word
0: will get into you.